We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. The Lakers picked up that big win over the Brooklyn Nets couple of nights ago and now they don't play again until they take on the Detroit Pistons on Friday so that means we get to live in victory for the entire week which is kind of a nice perk and what has frankly been a difficult season for the Lakers but they got that win doesn't mean there's no news around the Lakers though there's always something going on and we've got a little bit of an update on when the Lakers will finally make a decision on whether or not they want to bring in some other free agents whether they want to make a trade we've got a little bit of intel on that from Mark Stein plus some news about a specific player that the Lakers could be targeting in free agency. And I've got some fan questions and comments we need to get into. And of course, that will springboard us into a lot of different topics swirling around the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's go. Let's get to it. First topic for today, the Lakers waiting for the return of Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder before they make any decisions in terms of what they want to do with their roster. Now, I know, fans, if you're if you're watching this over on the YouTube channel, hopefully you're a subscriber, you've also turned on notifications, you might right now be tempted to throw whatever device you're using to watch this, whether it's your phone, whether it's your laptop, a tablet, whatever. Podcast listeners may be doing the same thing. Maybe you're sitting in traffic right now and you're angrily, angrily honking your horn at this news that the Lakers are going to wait to get something done. I get it. Fans want the Lakers to do something right now. Fix this problem. Make this team better. Don't put us through everything you put us through last season. Yes, the win over the Brooklyn Nets was great, but this team still has a lot of deficiencies. I've been saying since last summer, they're screaming for a trade. So why are they not getting this done and making a move happen? Why would you wait for Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder to return? Well, before I even get into that, the good news, I think Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder are going to be back on Friday. In fact, I think Lonnie Walker let the cat out of the bag after the, after the win over the Brooklyn Nets, when he basically confirmed that they will be back on Friday. Now, I think LeBron is also on track to play Friday. So the Lakers, in terms of the front office, waiting for the team to be whole before making any moves, I think we're going to see that on Friday. I think they're going to be whole. You're finally going to have Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder back. I'll also say, this might not be a popular opinion, but I actually think this is the right thing to do, to wait for Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant to get back. And here's why. Here's why. I think the Lakers, they need to know what it is that they need. It's very easy to just say they need three-point shooting, and that's not incorrect, right? They're a terrible three-point shooting team. They need three-point shooting. There's no question there. You could say they also need some help on the wing. That's also fair. But 
do you need a center? Do you need a point guard? And the reason why these questions are even out there, it's because Damian Jones has been unplayable and because Kendrick Nunn has been unplayable. So if you can't play Damian Jones, what's happened is Anthony Davis has had to play essentially all of his minutes at the center position. He doesn't want to do it. We all know that. He's made that very clear, but he said he will do it if he has to. But still, do the Lakers really want him to have to play all of his minutes, 100% of his minutes at the center position? Right now, the Lakers have two bigs on their roster that they can actually put on the floor. It's Wenyan Gabriel, who, to his credit, has been a lot better than expected. He's been making some nice plays for the Lakers. And Anthony Davis, that's it. After that, LeBron is your is your center. He's your third string center right now. LeBron James is. Because Damian Jones, you can't put him out on the floor. We've seen it. And it, it pains me. He's my guy. But he's just, he's not getting it done out there. And so, if you're the Lakers, if Thomas Bryant can come back and change that dynamic, and I'm not saying they should be optimistic that that's going to happen. I didn't like what we saw out of Thomas Bryant in preseason. I didn't think that he looked like he did anything to necessarily win the job. But you need to at least give him a chance here before you go ahead and make any kind of a move. See, if Thomas Bryant is not able to give you anything, let's say you give these, these guys a few games to kind of get their legs under him. And during that time, Thomas Bryant gives you nothing. It just it is not working. Same thing as Damian Jones all over again. Well, then, you know, okay, we need to get a center in whatever deal we do, whatever we're looking at. We need to find another center, whether it's Jakob Pertl, whether it's Miles Turner, whoever it is. Same thing with the point guard position, right? Now, the Lakers, I think they have enough guards on the roster to where they can sustain that position a little bit better. But the thought process was heading into the season, hey, if the Lakers trade Russell Westbrook, no big deal. They've got Kendrick Nunn still who can run the point guard position. He's not been good at all. Clearly, it's gotten into his head. He doesn't look confident out there on the floor. I hope he finds his game some point throughout the season. I hope he figures things out. But for right now you're not able to really put him on the floor. So Dennis Schroeder coming back is actually a necessity for the Lakers right now. Yes, Austin Reeves can handle the ball a little bit. Yes, when LeBron's there, he can be your de facto point guard, of course, and most of the time he is. But if you're going to look at Russell Westbrook trades, you need to know, do I have another ball handler out there or not? Because if Kendrick Nunn is not playable and you trade away Russell Westbrook, suddenly you're thin at a position that did not look thin at all heading into the season. So you need to know what you've got out of Dennis Schroeder. Now, I've got more confidence that Dennis Schroeder is just going to be himself because he's had a longer NBA career than Thomas Bryant, and I think we've already seen him enough in L.A. with the Lakers recently. Thomas Bryant obviously had prior experience with the Lakers, but we saw him just a couple of seasons ago with the Lakers. We saw him play very well at Eurobasket, not coming off. I mean, coming off of the thumb injury, but... Thomas Bryant coming off an injury that cost him most of last season. That's not the case with Dennis Schroeder. So Schroeder, I think we have a little bit more confidence in terms of what he is as a player, but you still want him to get in there and prove that he's still that guy. And if he's not, if something goes wrong, then that also informs your decision-making in terms of, do you still look to trade Russell Westbrook? The answer may still be yes. Do you still look to trade uh, Kendrick Nunn? Is that something that you want to do? And then, if you're trading away, let's say you're trading away both of them, does that then necessitate bringing back a point guard? So would you have to then look at, say, like a Terry Rozier trade or something like that? It's important that you know these things, that you know what Dennis Schroeder can give you and you know what Thomas Bryant can give you because that's going to help inform what it is exactly position-wise that you need. Skill set-wise, they absolutely need three-point shooting, but you need to know if you're the Lakers going into trade negotiations what it is that this team needs 
And I think that's going to be an important piece, letting Thomas Bryant get a shot here, letting Dennis Schroeder get a shot, and then you go from there. It can also inform your free agent decisions as well. Again, Stein mentioned the Lakers have looked at a few different players. That's also important. The Lakers do have three non-guaranteed contracts right now. Austin Reeves, Wendell Gabriel, I don't think they're going anywhere. Matt Ryan would probably be the one where if the Lakers had somebody that was out there on the market that they thought could fill a need, well, then they could potentially wave Matt Ryan and then turn to someone else. Now, all right, so that's where the Lakers are at right now. They want to see the team complete. They want to see the team whole before they decide to make a move. But good news, I think we're going to see that on Friday. You give it a few games, and then you really know what you have, what you don't have, and you can make your decisions from there. Speaking of decisions, Bojan Bogdanovic may still be a target for the Lakers. This is according to uh, Jake Fisher. And Jake Fisher said that the Lakers may still be a team that's interested in Bogdanovich. Now, Keith Smith and I broke down what a Bogdanovich trade would look like for the Lakers. That's up on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you want more in-depth analysis on this, he broke down specifically why Bogdanovich is still trade eligible, even though he just signed an extension with the Pistons, whereas LeBron is not trade eligible, uh, even though he also signed an extension. There's some differences there that make Bogdanovich still able to be traded. And Detroit actually did a really nice job with this contract in order to give him a little bit more money. And then he only has a couple million guaranteed for that next year. That's on the deal on the, on his uh, contract. So he's a really good contract right now. And I think the Pistons actually enhanced his value by giving him the deal that they did. That said, I don't, it depends on the cost. I don't know that this is the move for the Lakers. In fact, I'll say this is not the move for the Lakers. The reason for that is if it costs you a first, if it doesn't cost you a first, okay, you can talk me into it. Look, the Pistons got him without giving up a first. They gave up Kelly Olenek and got Bogdanovich. I would make that trade every single day. Bogdanovich is a fantastic player. He's averaging 20 points per game right now and shooting better than 50, 40, 90. He's having a, a tremendous season. But here's the problem. If you give up, First round draft capital, you give up the 2027 first, you give up the 2029 first, either one of them, even individually. The problem is Bogdanovich is 33. He'll be 34 in April. By the time you are ready to potentially enter a rebuild, Bogdanovich is done. Let's say LeBron two seasons from now, LeBron wants to ride off into the sunset and he's calling it a career. The Lakers say, okay, you know what? Now it's time for us to pivot. Now it's time for us to rebuild. Now it's time to enter a new phase. Well, Bogdanovich is not going to be at, what, 36 years old, somebody that you're going to be able to likely flip for future assets. He absolutely helps the Lakers right now. I think he would be a great fit. But I think if you're the Lakers and you're giving up those future assets, you want players who are at least going to have a chance of being versatile in terms of what you can do with them years into the future. And I don't think Bogdanovich offers that. Miles Turner, let's say again, you need to pivot. You need to rebuild. Miles Turner is what, 26? So a couple of years from now, he's 28 or so. Okay, right? You could flip Miles Turner, turn him into some draft picks, and that helps make up for the draft picks that you lost in trading for him. Bogdanovich, I don't think the same is going to be going to hold true. And so I think if you want to keep any of your future flexibility, you can't give up future firsts for a guy like Bogdanovich. Now, if you want to put together a package of Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, and then you add in a second rounder or something like that, That that's fine. And, and I'm before that. I think Bogdanovich is a fantastic player. I don't know that you get him for that, but he's not my target if I'm the Lakers and the cost is a future first. If it's not, okay, let's talk. 
that's my opinion. Curious to see what Lakers fans think. Let me know in the comment section what you guys think about Bogdanovich potentially being a target for the Lakers. Again, love the skill set. think he's a great fit. Just don't like the age of the player right now in terms of the flexibility you'd be sacrificing if you gave up a future pick for him. All right, let's get into our fan questions and comments. A lot of these coming in after the Lakers win against the Brooklyn Nets, and we'll use this to springboard into a lot of different Lakers topics here. Uh, first one, we've got kind of a, a double header here. Dre Johnson said, do you think the Nets wish they traded, he said, Kylie to, to us? Maybe, maybe at this point, maybe they do. I don't know if the Lakers are going to be in the market for Kyrie Irving in terms of if the Nets even tried to trade him right now. I can't imagine he has much trade value at the moment. Uh, he's not back on the floor yet for the Brooklyn Nets, but maybe by the summer that changes, and that's we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Super Dope Hip Hop said Lonnie Walker deserved two years and $13 million. Monk got $18 million and a similar and they're a similar player. Yeah, one of the things that I and I've talked about this before that I've disliked about the Lakers, the way they've gone about building out the roster, is that they're constantly cycling through players every season because they don't have bird rights on anybody. But they're cycling through everybody because they can't keep when you're over the cap and you don't have bird rights. The only choice is to watch the player walk away or get the player to sign another veteran minimum deal. And that's it. That's all you can do. That's what happened with Malik Monk. They had their taxpayer mid-level they could throw at him, but that was not enough. And so by constantly signing one-year contracts, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, on and on, these guys all have one-year deals. Well, the Lakers don't have bird rights for any of them. So Troy Brown and Lonnie Walker specifically have both looked really good it will be difficult to keep them unless the Lakers have cap space next summer, which maybe they will, depending on what they do on the trade market. But if they uh, want to keep those guys and they've got cap space, well, they're going to have to use the cap space to keep them, which then limits their ability to go shopping out on the market. So that's the challenge. And that's why I don't like constantly signing guys to one-year deals if it's avoidable. If, if, and I don't know, I would imagine he wasn't, but if Troy Brown Jr. was willing to do a two-year deal so you could at least get his early bird rights, do that over doing a one-year contract, especially for a better minimum player. Veteran minimums are not high, hard to move if you get into a pinch and you need extra cap space. I know the Lakers want to maintain future flexibility, but at the same time, you have to actually build out a team. And in order to do that, you have to take advantage of bird rights. It's the way you build rosters in the NBA, and you cannot acquire bird rights by giving players one-year deals. have to be with the team for longer than that. So I agree. I would have liked to have seen Lonnie Walker on a two-year deal, maybe more. Um, that said, we also had a lot of question marks about Lonnie and where he fit in the rotation coming into the season. So, you know, he's he's proven a lot of us wrong. He's been fantastic. And so hindsight's 2020 right now saying, he, you know, wish he had uh, a longer-term deal. Bryant <laughs> said, trade for Turner, AD moves to the four. Love the show, guys. Oh, thank you, Brian. Uh, yeah, this that's a big piece to the argument. Not only is Miles Turner a great shot blocker, not only does he give you three-point shooting, but he slides Anthony Davis to the power forward slot, which is his preferred position. So you're doing a lot there. You're giving the team a skill set that I think they could use, but you're also allowing Anthony Davis to play where he is most comfortable. So you're appeasing Anthony Davis at the same time. I think that's important. Uh, Miles Turner, there's a lot of questions, though. That are out there and and some of the questions that we simply can't know the answer to for example what does he want on his next contract that's so important 
for the Lakers. So important for any team that would consider trading for him. If you're going to give up major assets, right, which the future first-round picks would certainly be, if you're going to give up major assets to get a player and that player's on an expiring contract, you'd better know exactly what it's going to cost to keep that player. And you need to know whether or not you are comfortable paying that price. If Miles Turner says, I need $30 million a year, I'm not saying that's what he's going to, but if Miles Turner says, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll stick around Lakers. I need 30 million a year. And the Lakers say, we're not, we're not willing to go that high. Well, then you're probably not willing to trade for the player. Cause what's going to happen is if you're not willing to pay that next contract, then Miles Turner walks away in free agency. Most likely that's what happens. Do you want to give up future capital to rent Miles Turner for a few months? And then he leaves in free agency. No, no team would want to do that. So you need to know for sure what his next contract ask is going to be. And you need to know long-term roster build strategy. Is Does that fit? Is that a contract you want to pay? So far, the Lakers answer has been Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. They don't move the needle enough. It's not a big enough upgrade. So we're not going to do that. We're going to wait for bigger fish. Bradley Beal might be that. I don't think they can land him, but apparently the Lakers may have their eyes set on that. Uh, that trade target, but that's an important thing. It's easy to look at Miles Turner and say, on the floor he fits, or Buddy Heald and say, on the floor he fits. This would be a great addition. This helps our team, but the particulars are also really important in terms of what's after this season. Can we keep this guy long-term? Mike Conley, AD plays better on smaller players, needs to be a four. You You can make arguments either way for AD to be the four or the five. I think he prefers, obviously, to be the four. Um, if he does prefer to be the four, then you, that again, goes back to the previous point. You need to know, can Thomas Bryant be our center? And if that answer is no, what does it take to get Jakob Pertle? What does it take to get Miles Turner? What does it take to get whatever bigs are out there? That's what you need to know. Kerwin said, I still think AD ain't it. And keep in mind, this is coming off of a 37 and 18 game from AD. He says he ain't it. While the iron is hot, I'd trade him along with the picks. So you're trading two first round picks and AD Man, you better be getting a haul for that. Keep Russ next year around 20 to 25 million rates. So he's saying Russ, you're going to have, you actually have bird rights on Russ. You could keep him. Um, he's saying, that's what you want to do. We can be Cavs 2018. It all depends on what you'd be getting back for AD. All the rumors have suggested that the Lakers are not interested in trading him right now. And I think that is in general, the, the right mindset here. And the reason for that is AD's had his injury history, one big game, and it's a tremendous game. Don't get me wrong, but one big game, you know, 37 and, and 18, that's not enough for teams to just say, oh, okay, we're all good. Here's the farm for Anthony Davis. I don't think that completely rehabilitates his trade value. So whatever you're going to get for Anthony Davis, I don't think it's going to equal what he can provide on the floor when he's really got it going. And that's what this Lakers team is all about, right? This Lakers team is about, let's get LeBron, let's get AD to the playoffs, and let's let them do their thing. And then we've got a puncher's chance because LeBron and AD can be that good come playoff time. So I don't think the Lakers are of the mindset that they need to trade Anthony Davis right now. Um, this summer, that might change. Look, if the Lakers don't make a trade this season, if the Lakers just do nothing, they sit on their hands and don't make a deal, during this season to try to fix this and get the team back on track. It would not surprise me. And this is not, this is just gut instinct here, but it wouldn't surprise me if 
we started to hear about an Anthony Davis and or LeBron James trade request. Um, they will not be happy if the Lakers effectively tell them we are punting on this season, which I think not making a move during the season would be sending that message. They say, well, no, we're going to waste this year. Uh, we, we just don't have it. And look, you can make arguments for why they should do that. You, I mean, if they're looking at this team and just say this team isn't good enough, and even if we go and get Miles Turner and Buddy Heal, this team is still not good enough to make any noise in the postseason, wouldn't it make sense to be more patient? It's going to be a very complicated and very important decision with a lot of factors at play. But I don't see the Lakers trading Anthony Davis until the summer, most likely. If AD suddenly requests out, maybe the trade deadline. But again, I think that's going to be, that's the last card that AD and LeBron will have to play. Right, LeBron can't be traded this season, but that's the last card that they will have to play in terms of trying to get the Lakers to do something. Trying to get the Lakers to make some kind of a trade. They can say, make a trade or trade us. And then you go from there. And you've got to make some tough decisions then if you're the Lakers. So again, I, I don't that's not the path the Lakers want to go down. That's not the situation they want to be in. They'd like to see this get turned around. The team start winning games. And then off you go. You can make some decisions from more of a, a position of strength. But I don't see them trading AD unless they absolutely have to. And I don't see that happening until next summer. Um, yeah. Jeff said, let's trade AD. Oh, AD for Turner and Heald. And their two firsts, 2023 and 2024. Well, you can't do that because that would violate the Stepien rule. But okay, you can do 2023 and 2025. I don't have the Pacers situation in front of me so i'm assuming they've got 2023 and 2025 uh then package a first with none and patrick beverly's for a shooter so pick up two first get turner and healed you lose ad then you try to get a shooter i get the thought process behind it but flip it right like you can sell this to lakers fans saying hey we're adding to our draft capital. We're replacing picks that we lost previously. We're getting a shooter. We're getting a good big. We're getting things that can help this team. Um, Turner and and Heald, I, I don't think combined, they equal Anthony Davis's production. You can argue fit. Uh, I that, that It's a little bit of a light return for me. But flip it though. Why do the Pacers do this? The Pacers are a rebuilding team, right? Now, they've won some games this season, but they're rebuilding. Anthony Davis is turning 30 in the spring. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's not on the same timeline as they are. Aren't they better off just keeping their picks and seeing what they can turn those into and building around young talent? And look, I know sometimes the Pacers, the Pacers have been rebuild allergic, right? They don't want to rebuild. They don't want to go down that path. They want to constantly try to win games. They don't want to tank or do any of those things. But it kind of signaled that, yeah, we're ready to do that when they traded away Domitas Sabonis, the moves that they made this year. So I don't think this makes sense from the Pacers' perspective. Now, value-wise, I think it's good. Pacers could get AD for Turner, Heald, and a couple of firsts. That's, that's pretty good value. But I don't think it really fits what they, as an organization, are trying to do right now. They're not on the same timeline. Uh, and again, for the Lakers, I don't think that's enough of a return. What's healed? Neutral to maybe slightly positive value. Turner, depending on what he wants as his next deal, is probably worth a first. So is AD really worth three firsts and a neutral value contract? I'd probably want more if I'm the Lakers. Nathan Diamond. What I meant was re-sign Lonnie and Troy Brown Jr. rather than a star. Okay, so use the cap space. This goes back to a question you'd asked previously. Use your cap space to bring back Lonnie, bring back Troy Brown. Don't go after a star like a Kyrie Irving or something in free agency. Need young role talent for a rebuild a la KCP when he was signed. Elite window is closed. So Nathan is saying, in lieu of using your cap space to pursue a star, what if you can get Lonnie Walker to do a four-year deal? What if you can get him to do four years, 40 million? Would he do it? Maybe it's a little bit light. Maybe he needs 45, 50. What if you can get him to do that? Then do you do it? And then what if you can keep Troy Brown? And then you've got contracts on the books that in the future are potentially movable, that are young players that you can build with. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's not a bad alternative option. But again, if you're LeBron, if you're AD, and the Lakers have said, just sit tight, we're going to make some moves this summer, and the big move eating up most of your cap space or moves is bringing back Lonnie Walker and Troy Brown. How happy are LeBron and AD going to be? Now, Nathan mentions the elite window is closed. So maybe at that point you just say, well, you know, that's it. Let's rebuild. Let's let's find a trade for LeBron. Let's find a trade for Anthony Davis. I don't think that's the path the Lakers really want to go down, though. So I understand the thought process, but the Lakers, they put themselves in such a difficult spot in so many different ways. Um not just with LeBron and AD, but in terms of free agency, in terms of having cap space next summer, in terms of trying to get this roster to a spot where they can win right now, they're in such a difficult position. And ultimately, I think they're going to have to make some choices. They're going to have to decide we're either going to try to win right now or we're not. Or we're not. And that's once they make that choice, once they pick a path, then we know what, what they're doing, right? You're either moving assets and trying to rebuild for the future or you need to go in right now and do what you can to win. Those are your options. Sitting on the fence all season and just doing nothing, well, it probably signals to LeBron and AD that you're picking the rebuild path because they're not going to want to stick around for that. They're not. So you have to make a clear decision on what it is that you want to do. If you want to win right now, then move the picks and do what you can to win right now. If you don't, you don't, and then you deal with the consequences of that decision. But you got to decide what's best for the long-term future of the club. What's best for the Lakers right now? They haven't made that decision yet, and I'm curious to see when they will. Mike, do the rest to the Spurs trade. 
then trade Pat and none for Turner, then pray we get Kyrie on a buyout. I don't know if Kyrie's getting bought out or if the Lakers should even want him or whatever. That's a whole different topic. But uh, Russ to the Spurs. So let's say it's Russ for McDermott and you're getting um, Josh Richardson. Let's say it costs you a first. Then it's Pat, none, and a first for Turner. So your your final haul would be Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, Russell Westbrook, two first-round picks in exchange for Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, and Miles Turner. That's what you're getting out of that. Is that better than Russ and two firsts for Heald and Turner? I think, I think you could argue either way. You could probably argue yes. I mean, just... Like, none isn't giving you any value right now, so he's just an expiring. I'm not putting a ton of value on that. Patrick Beverly has some value in the locker room, has some value as a defender, but he's not providing a ton on the floor. You get a couple of wings that can shoot that you need in Richardson and McDermott, and then you get a big in Miles Turner. Not the worst thing ever. Um, Dennis Schroeder would then have to be your starting point guard. You'd be a little bit thin maybe at the one. It's not terrible, but I don't know. Like, is that enough to put you over the top? Richardson and McDermott fit. But does that get you where you want to go? I think that's the question. The Lakers front office has been asking and will continue to ask. And I don't know that it's a yes with that move. Uh, What would it take to get Joe Harris? I mean, I don't know that the Nets are even looking to move him right now. So Joe Harris, I don't, I just don't see him as necessarily a trade target for the Lakers at the moment. Because I don't think the Nets are at a point where they want to move their shooters just yet. Like what if they're going to move Joe Harris, that means they're going to move other pieces too, namely Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. And I don't think the Nets are there either. A lot of t- if you go around the NBA right now, most teams are just kind of in putting out feelers mode. Like we're just getting a little bit into the season. They're just starting to get a sense of what they have and what they don't have. Typically it's like, well, December 15th is typically seen as the unofficial start of trade season in, in the NBA, because that's when everybody who signed contracts over the summer, uh, for example, like Monty Walker becomes trade eligible. And so that opens up a lot more possibilities. So right now teams are calling around, but it's a lot of just kind of checking in, nothing real concrete, just trying to get a sense of who needs what, uh, where the value lies, think, things of that nature. So I don't think the Nets are, are ready to move on from Joe Harris. And I don't know that that's necessarily a target the Lakers want. Look, he fits in terms of needing a shooter, but the Nets, I think, would have to make a bigger decision before they're going to move Joe Harris in terms of what they're doing with Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving. Uh, Chef Lev, for the sake of argument, how low could Kyrie's salary be for the Lakers to pursue him next year? 15 million, 30 million, two years? I mean, even if he took 30 million, that's well below his max. Is he going to get a max after what we've had go on this year? Probably not. He's still a tremendous basketball player, but... I don't know. We're going to have to see how this all plays out this year. It's possible that Kyrie Irving hits free agency and teams just say, we don't, we don't want to deal with all the other stuff that comes with Kyrie. That's, that's possible, but we're also a long ways away. So there's plenty of time for Kyrie to try to make amends and try to fix things and, and get past this. There's a lot of time for that to happen, but we need to see that happen first. We need to see him back on the floor. We need to see everybody kind of move on from this before we can start to take a guess at what his value might be, um, if he's willing to come to the Lakers, 
and the Lakers are willing to move past this. And maybe LeBron's comments the other day suggest that he's okay with moving past this. Um, when he kind of spoke out and said that he felt the punishment for Kyrie was a little bit excessive. Um, look, if you can get a player of, of Kyrie's caliber for 15 million for 20 million, that's a steal. Um, but again, he'd be that price because of all the other stuff that's going on. And then if I'm the Lakers, I don't, I'm trying not to do a long-term deal there. I'm trying not to because you just never know with, with Kyrie and you don't want to be in the Kyrie business for longer than you want to. I'd try to mirror LeBron's contract with a Kyrie deal. If you can do that. Ice cold Matt, can LA trade for Jalen Brown? Logistically, sure. But realistically, I don't think the Celtics are are moving him. Um, unless we want to talk like Anthony Davis or something, which, yeah. Marty, Russ is still a huge issue. Why does everyone want him to stay now? His turnovers and bad shots are momentum killers. He's also a jerk to the media. Well, so Russ has been significantly better this season than we've seen in the past. I think that's... Uh, it's been one of my favorite parts of the season, honestly, is that been Russell Westbrook has actually become a little bit of a fan favorite at, at Crypto.com Arena and uh, and with LA fans. And that's been really cool to see compared to how it was last season, how we were thinking things would go this summer. He's not perfect. It's not like he's fixed everything with this game. We find we see still see turnovers. We still see some poor shot selection. But overall, he does seem to be playing better coming off the bench than he ever was as a starter. So maybe there's something there that you can build upon. Now, that doesn't mean just because he's playing better and because I think he's helping the Lakers doesn't mean you don't trade him. Maybe it changes the parameters of what you trade him for. Maybe it changes your trade calculus a little bit. If Russ is going out and Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are coming in and Russ is now a positive for your team, how much better does it actually make you? Even if Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are positive fits as well and maybe better fits than Russ, Russ is still bringing, I think, positives onto the floor for the Lakers. But ultimately, they may need his salary in a trade. It might have to go down that way. So I don't think that this is a, Hey, you're not, you're just period. You're not moving Russell Westbrook. Now he's untouchable or anything like that. I certainly don't think that's the case. Um, Lakers fans, I think are going to get excited by what he's, he's been doing. And they're going to compare what Russ has been doing with what we've seen out of Patrick Beverly and Kendrick non, which hasn't been as good. And so, you're going to naturally say, well, you know what? Russ is actually playing well. We're actually using what he brings off the bench. That's working out. What else can they trade? What else can they trade? It's no longer that desperation of, oh my gosh, we have to move Russell Westbrook. Again, a trade may still be necessary to get this team to another level, but I don't think when you look at the team's shortcomings, Russ is not the reason for those shortcomings. Um, he doesn't solve a lot of the problems that the Lakers have, but I don't think he's creating nearly as many problems as he used to. Again, the, the turnovers are still there. The defensive lapses are still there occasionally, but we're getting a better version of Russell Westbrook right now. And so that's why there's that, um, that lack of desperation that we had seen even just a month ago. Uh, this comment says Beverly Nunn uh, Robinson to LA First, 2023, uh, LA, oh, Beverly Nunn Robinson to LA first and a 2023 Miami first to Indy. Okay, so he's got Duncan Robinson, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and a couple of firsts going to Indiana. 
Lowry, Heald, and Turner. So the Lakers get Lowry, Heald, and Turner by sending out Beverly, Nunn, Russ. And then he's got Russ Johnson to Miami. Who says no? At least gives us a bit of contract flexibility heading into next year, too. I think I would rather have Russell Westbrook's contract than Kyle Lowry's. Because Lowry's run, runs longer. I would rather have Russell Westbrook's contract. So um, Miami, indeed, taking on Duncan Robinson. That's also a negative value contract. You are getting an extra first, though, to, to compensate them for it. It's a lot of moving parts there. Overall, if it's honestly, if it's me, I would rather... If I'm trading Russ, Beverly, and none, if I'm trading Russ, I would rather just get healed and Turner and go from there. Actually, I would rather do Beverly and none and one pick for one of healed and Turner and just keep Russ than do this. I'd, I'd rather do that. I'm, I, I think you're, in terms of future flexibility, you're taking a step back by taking on Lowry's deal. And so that's that's not one that I would want. In fact, let me see what he's got left on it right now. I know it's multiple years here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Kyle Lowry has this season and next season at about thirty million next season. Yeah, I don't want Kyle Lowry at thirty million this next season. I would rather just because there goes your some of your cap space for next season. Um, it's eating into that. Beverly and Nunn are both expirings too. You're giving up all expirings and you're bringing back money into next season. Yeah, I'd I'd rather just hang on to Russ than get Lowry and his deal. Uh, Super dope hip hop. Pacers season ticket owner since 87. Our owner doesn't get the big picture. The trade for 2027 and 2029 was a win since July. I want Wembenyama, Halliburton, Matherin, Bad, and help LeBron. Damn you, Rob Palenka. Um, You know, I don't know that this was necessarily a Rob Palenka thing either, because what we heard in terms of how things broke down was um, the Lakers had asked the Pacers, Hey, okay. If we're look, we're going to do this. We don't want to give both first. And then the Pacers said, well, okay. There were some talks about, well, maybe it's a first and a protected pick or first and seconds or something. And then the Pacers eventually said, well, you guys are desperate. So it's two first, take it or leave it. That's it, two first. And the Lakers kind of came off that and said, okay, well, if we have to give two first, will you toss in some second rounders to at least give us some compensation here, make this a little bit more fair? And the Pacers still said no. They wouldn't even put in second rounders to get the deal done. Like that, that that's just, they're not willing to compromise at all. And so that's got to be frustrating for the Lakers too. The Pacers are just, no, you guys are desperate. So you give us everything. We'll dictate terms and you you just have to take it. And the Lakers just ultimately said, well, no. Um, there was real debate. And at certain points, from what I heard, it was sounding like it was going to happen. Like it was, it was going to go down. Russ was going to go to Indy. Heald and Turner were coming to LA. 
Obviously, the Lakers um, decided ultimately not to do that at the price of two first-round picks. So when you say, damn you, Bobby Palenka, like, yeah, it's kind of on the Lakers. The Lakers ultimately made the decision to back away from the deal. But the Pacers, I think, also could have got the deal done had they been willing to budge a little bit on some second round and at least make L.A. feel like they were getting something, some kind of value um, back in terms of draft compensation. That being said, it does seem like it would have been a bit of a win-win, right? Because the Pacers have accidentally won some games, which maybe if they really want one Minyama, they maybe they shouldn't have. And then for the Lakers, Heald and Turner, if they had Heald and Turner, I'd be fairly confident their record looks better than it does right now. And again, though, that look, Russ has not been bad. He's not been the problem for the Lakers, but I still think their record would be better than it is right now if Buddy Heald and Miles Turner were on this team. So I understand the frustration would have helped your Pacers would have helped the Lakers as well. Uh, Bruce, what does it take for us to trade for Mo Bamba? You know, that's another, or the Orlando magic, you know, I've, I've complained a bit about the Lakers and the contracts they signed and how they don't offer a lot of future flexibility or future value or anything like that. The Orlando magic did a fantastic job signing these guys to contracts. When you look at Mo Bamba, you look at Gary Harris, you know, they, they just did a great job essentially making these guys walking trade chips, right? I mean, Mo Bamba, 10.3 million this year, non-guaranteed next year. Similar deal with Gary Harris, 13 million this year, and then non-guaranteed 13 million next year. And the reason why that's critical that there's actually that next year that's not guaranteed is because if they only had a one-year deal, then these guys would have no trade clauses, um, built into their contracts, de facto no trade clauses, because if they were to be traded, like the Magic have their bird rights, if they were to be traded on a one-year deal, they would actually lose their bird rights. So that's why the player is able to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't want to be in this trade because it would cost me my bird rights and they can kill the trade that way. So by adding on the extra year and having that money non-guaranteed, it I mean, it's a smart move for the team. It's a team-friendly move by having the non-guaranteed second year on the deal because not only does it give you the optionality where if, if Mo Bamba looks great and you say, man, he is definitely worth $10.3 million, you can pick up that, that money. You can just guarantee the money for the next year. But it also means that he doesn't have the ability to block a trade, which, again, is very smart of the Orlando Magic to put things together this way. They probably had to pay a little bit more to get that feature in the contract. But Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, both looking like potentially uh, trade chips that they could use moving forward. As far as what does it cost to get them? I don't know. I, I don't have a good sense of what Orlando would want in return for Mo Bamba. Uh, he's an interesting talent, but, you know, in theory, a big man that can shoot the three, block some shots. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's only playing 15 minutes a game right now for the Magic. So I can't imagine the price would be too high. Um 10.3 million, you could do something around Patrick Beverly in a deal for Mo Bamba. Now you'd have to add in something because Patrick Beverly doesn't present a lot of value to the Orlando Magic. But if you really wanted him, you could do some draft capital or something. And then and then for the Magic, it's just what are you going to get for him on the market? Otherwise, could any, any other team top that offer? You go from there. Senpai out of team said bronze stand. So he's a, a LeBron stand. Said nothing against LN. Y'all, y'all are great. Oh, thank you. But I'll hold a grudge against the front office forever as no trade is made. Could have had Heald and Turner before camp. Yeah, for, for LeBron fans, this is infuriating, right? That the Lakers aren't giving LeBron what he 
needs in order to, to contend this year. Um, I've always cautioned, though, that with LeBron fans, I'm not, Senpai comes onto a lot of our shows and makes a lot of comments and things, so I'm not specifically trying to single them out here. But uh, with if you're a LeBron first fan, well, the 2027 and 2029 picks, they're not valuable to you as at all. They're worthless because you're probably not still going to be following the Lakers at that point because you're just following LeBron if you're a LeBron fan. But um, again, not every LeBron fan is going to look at it that way, just like not every Lakers fan is going to put a lot of value on those picks either. Um, but yeah, like you could argue, regardless of who you're a fan of, you could argue the Lakers should have done that deal before media day and, and just made the deal, get healed and Turner, off you go. And you just roll with it. The Lakers made the decision. It's not enough. And we will see if it pays off. I know, like right now, it, you feel a little bit better because they won, but ultimately the record is still what it is. It's three and 10. They've got to win some games. Um, they've got a uphill battle just to get back to 500, which I think they're going to need to be 500 by the end of the season in order to um, get into the, the playoff mix. So it's, I mean, fortunately, there's a lot of time left in the season, but they've dug themselves a significant hole they may need to make a trade in order to dig out of it out of it. And we'll see. We'll see what ultimately they do. Can Damian Jones crack the rotation? Had high hopes when we signed him. You know, Andy mentions this. Andy, I'm not writing off Damian Jones at this point. It's too early for that. But he hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked playable. I haven't seen a lot out of him that suggests that he should be getting minutes or he should be in the rotation. Now, can that change in a month, two months? Yeah, sure. We've seen and we've seen it happen. We've seen KCP go through ridiculous shooting slumps where he looks unplayable out there. And then a couple months later, he's red hot and he just never misses. Like this happens with players. Sometimes they go through slumps. It's not quite like a batting slump in, in baseball or anything like that, but um, players go through slumps sometimes. Hopefully that's just what this is. But for right now, I think the Lakers have to proceed forward as though this is what you're going to get out of Damian Jones. Can Thomas Bryant be better? Can he give you some of the things that you need? If not, what do we need to do on the trade market? What do we do, need to do in free agency? Because you probably need a playable big. The hope was that both Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant would be able to do that. And Damian Jones right now has not been able to check that box. Thomas Bryant did not look like he could in preseason, but we'll find out here as soon as Friday what he's really got. All right, last one. Gia Mercado said, don't know if this will make the live show, but also wanted to point out the chemistry with Russ and Wenyan. I like it. That's a good point uh, that GN makes here. Russ and Wenyan Gabriel have indeed had some good chemistry. Russ has been looking to find him, even hit him for a corner three uh, against the Nets, and, and Wenyan, to his credit, knocked it down. But Russ has had really good pick-and-roll chemistry with Wenyan, and that has helped Wenyan Gabriel get some looks right at the rim. And, uh, and to his credit, he's been finishing them. Again, Wenyan Gabriel is the guy on the non-guaranteed contract, and Damian Jones is on the guaranteed deal. Now, it's a veteran minimum, so it's not Sanaton. But he even has a player option for next year, Damian Jones does. And Wenyan Gabriel has outplayed him. He's just been better at just about all facets of the game. So Wenyan has earned his minutes and he does have that chemistry with Russell Westbrook that you want to continue to take advantage of in that bench rotation. So Wenyan and Russ, so far so good together. We'll see if the inclusion of Thomas Bryant disrupts that at all. Again, Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder expecting them back Friday. I would assume LeBron also back Friday. We'll have to wait to get official word on that, but it sounds pretty sure that we'll have Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder back in action on Friday for the Lakers. All right, 
That does it for today's show. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And of course, don't forget to give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Go check me out on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.